0: Welcome to the Court to Corporate podcast. I'm your host, Kirby Porter. On this show, we sit down with current and former athletes to discuss their personal playbooks and dive deeper into how it has translated into success and lessons outside the game and in the business world. You can find this podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at courttocorporate.com. Court to Corporate is all about amplifying the journey of athletes in corporate America and showcasing how your athletic influence can serve to build your path. Stay up to date with more content and perspectives across all of our social platforms. These will be linked in the show notes or they can be found on our website. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. All right, welcome back and thank you for joining in on this week's episode in part two of our recruiting season series, two for two. So last week was all about the upfront sprint, so making your impact and the networking and panels. Today we're focusing on the next step. So you have your foot in the door. How do you finish strong? Along the same lines of bringing the experts in, today we have Paige Tippett from Columbia Women's Basketball joining us on the show. After graduating, Paige moved to LA to begin her career in executive search at career group companies and is now working in a similar capacity at Arrowroot. So I reached out to Paige because obviously in addition to knowing what it takes from personal experience. From working in executive search, she really has great insight working day in and day out with C-level industry leaders and learning firsthand what matters in leadership and what matters at that level and is able to apply that to her career and also share it with others like she is today. So the point of this part and today's conversation is that athletes often hear what skill sets they bring to the table. They're collaborative and they know how to work in teams. They're resilient and they know how to bounce back from failures. But when it comes to the interview process, which is selling your story, it's important to take a step back. So you have the what, but what's the why? Why do these traits align with the skill sets that are actually of value within a company? And why should the employer care? And that's exactly what we're talking about today with Paige. So we're first going to break down at a high level how athletes can talk about their experience in the absence of internships or if they have had internships and then we'll also walk through two examples of how to frame these skill sets that you possess in conversation so I love this discussion because overall it's a great refresh of what we bring to the table and what we need to know about ourselves so enjoy we drop some good facts better perspectives so tune in and we'll see you next week all right so we just talked about this but we played together for four years y'all made the trip up we made the trip down and this is really the first time that we're connecting and i think it's so funny um, that when you play against people in your league, it's like, you know them, but you don't really know them. But from the conversation we just had before we started recording, it feels like we know each other. Um, so, you <laughs> I know, you
1: the scouting report. exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I feel like I def- always, I
1: always wonder. I'm like, I wonder what other teams said about me on the scouting
0: report. <laughs> I have always, so, it's always, always fun wondered to play that. that
1: game.
0: <laughs> okay, not gonna lie, I'm not gonna mention the team. It wasn't in the Ivy League, but I did. We saw our scouting report in our locker room that we were staying in after the game. I was like, oh, okay, word, rookie mistake, <laughs> rookie mistake, rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. <laughs> no, I have literally That's always so wondered. I'm like, what do they say? um but (laughs) no it's oh my god it's awesome that we're able to chat and connect on the other side of things so appreciate you joining on the show of course
1: I mean I think there's a special bond that not only you know ex-athletes have but even further ex-ivy league athletes have even further ex-female ivy league athletes so
0: narrow it down (laughs) exactly
1: (laughs) we have ties for sure.
0: For sure. Um, Let's get started. I want to start with you. So I know you just mentioned you recently changed roles. So let's talk about that. How are you enjoying it? How's the change?
1: I I love my new job. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in my office right now. (laughs) But I I actually love my job. I think the people I work with, it's just like something new every day. They're all amazing. Very like diverse environment. You know, I've I've learned so many things about stuff I would have never been exposed to had I not, you know, been in this role that I have, but you know, I'm also so appreciative of the company that like gave me my first start and like allowed me to grow and like take this job. You know, I wouldn't be here without the company I was at before. So it's kind of just like weird how it all plays out in the world. You know, you think you're going to start somewhere and stay there for a while and then you kind of grow out of the role. And then you're like, what am I going to do next? Mm-hmm. And then you know, you know, take another leap and start something new.
0: I love that. It's That's great to hear. And I, I think it's it's so funny. We definitely all go through our four years or maybe towards the back half when it's time to start thinking about these things. You map out a plan. You're like, I'm going to do this for two years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that plan that we all have. I'm going to do this for two years, this for four years. I'm going to go here and... Sometimes even within a year, it sounds like you've you've realized great things about yourself and, and what makes sense for you. So it makes me happy to hear that. Um, the- yeah, I, I think there's this stigma that, especially in the
1: working world, like once you get in a job, you need to stay there. You need to stay there for at least a year, at least three years and, you know, really grow with the company. But at the end of the day, it's like you have to do what makes you happy. Like mm-hmm. if you're not happy in your job, you're spending eight hours there your life is going to be miserable. Think about that. Tell like, that truth. the most of your time at work. You you have to be happy. And like the people to. you work with, the environment you're in, your boss is so crucial.
0: The people and what you just said oh. are so important. It's really make or break. And you, you don't realize that until you realize how much time you spend with them. I spend so much time with my intern class and I know they all, listen. <laughs> they all listen to my podcast. Like, they're so supportive of me, and I know they're going to listen to this and be like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, you gave me a shout-out for, exactly. for the podcast. <laughs> I, I love them. I love them. Um, but, yeah, so the question that we all love and know, tell us about your journey up to where you are now, your upbringing in Texas, going to Columbia. Just share a little bit more on that.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, I was, I grew up a small town. I of Houston, so in the suburbs, you know, small population. My mom was actually telling me yesterday she was in town. She's like, they asked me to run for mayor. Like that's how small my town is. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was a great environment. I went to public school. So I don't know if you went to public or private, but I was a little different than a lot of people I went to school with just coming out. And obviously I played basketball, played AAU, you know, the drill, the grind coming up. Yeah, that I Yeah, when I was deciding where to go to school, I was kind of just like, you know, I know I want to go Ivy just because of the opportunities after. I know I didn't want to play after, but I know it was still like important to me. So I went to Columbia, amazing school, amazing team and like this environment. Like it it really allowed me to be uncomfortable for like the first time in my life. Because when you're in a town where everybody knows who you are, it's like you're that person since you were like five years old. I was the same as when I was younger to when I was eighteen. So going off, it really allowed me to just mature and grow up and like find who I am, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, not I mean to honestly too derail here, but you just kinda mentioned that in your decision to go to LA post grad. Like you exactly. saw a new a new opportunity to grow again. So I love to hear that. Um, tell us about your experience while in the Columbia women's basketball team. What were some of the highlights? What was your off-court experience like, too?
1: <laughs> you know, there's always highs and lows. I'm sure you would echo that as well, but, you know, I, I would you. say one of the lows, we had a lot of different coaches. I had three different head coaches in my four years, but I think they finally got it right my junior year when they hired um, Coach Griff. I mean, I cannot say enough about her and Coach Ty, the whole staff there, like how tremendous they were and like my growth as a person, not only like as a student, but also like professionally, you know, that was the first time I've had not only great female role models that were my coaches, but also people that really cared about me and like what I was doing after. And that really allowed us, I mean, I think when you're in an environment, like I said before, it's just like your workplace, if you're with, we're with each other our teammates and our coaches what i would say 50 hours 60 hours a week at least
0: P- push that up um, like 80 <laughs> <laughs> 80, 80 I mean, if you count going out together
1: <laughs> exactly and i lived with my teammates too
0: but oh, all wow. four
1: years so it was just like i loved my teammates they're literally my best friends i just actually was in austin for one of my friend's birthdays and eight of us came back and all flew out to austin to celebrate. Like that's just like a bond I'll never be able to experience again. You know, you're just, you're all growing up together. You're all experiencing college and what's going on together. It's just like you see the highs and lows in each other and you Mm. still like support each other, which is kind of like a comforting thing to have. Um, But I mean, New York is amazing. I mean, one of the most diverse campuses I've ever been on and I met a cool, different person every day. And, (laughs) <laughs> it exposed me to so much. You know, g- growing up in Texas, you don't see a lot of diversity, unfortunately. So when I was there, it was just like everybody in life is doing their own thing and living their own life. And it's different. But like, it's great. So you need to learn about different people.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a good different. And it's great to hear. I I think to your point of the, the bonds that you form with your teammates are things that we think we'll never experience again beyond those four years. But I know it's a small example in what you just mentioned in your trip, but it's lifelong. Like you do <laughs> you, you do get to recreate it. You do get to experience it again. Um, so that's that's great to hear that you had that support system in place, both from your peers, but also from your mentors on your team and what it sounds in your coaches. Um, and it really is about the environment and the people. And that starts as early <laughs> as your career in college as well. Um, so that's that's amazing. Let's, great transition. Let's talk about um, you starting off your career with career group companies. So just tell us about what the company is first and what executive search is for people that may not be as familiar.
1: Yeah, so career through companies, I like to describe it as a agency, like a professional agency, think about like an athlete, but for regular people. So I was getting Joe Schmo a job, (laughs) if that makes sense. But most of the people I dealt with were obviously executives, so C-level VP, um, some director level managers also. And then I also was staffing jobs for um, all finance firms in LA. So we worked with all the top firms, whether that be like Nike or like WME or CAA, all these amazing companies in LA, because the um, entertainment industry is so heavy. And I would just get to help people really get jobs and help my clients find amazing people. So it was it was kind of the best thing that could happen to me when I got out because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was kind of like, I don't know. Like I'm graduating, and it all came so fast. So I was like, oh. I want to be in LA, let's take this job. And the the president of the company, I remember on my interview, I walked in and I sat with her and I was connecting with her. And she was like, I'm going to take a chance on you because this is kind of like a higher level job because I was going to be, I was interacting with executives and C-suite level people every day. And our clients were, you know, the CFO of all these amazing companies that I had to kind of interact with. So she took a shot on me and it really, just allowed me to be kind of thrown into the corporate world and learn all these different things about why companies hire who and what they look for and what turns people off and what turns, it's just so, it was just amazing experience and I'm like forever indebted and grateful to her, Susan Levine, amazing woman.
0: (laughs) Wow, I can hear I can hear your excitement and just how you're describing the role. How I, I know you just mentioned you you graduate and you're kind of like going to LA, I'm gonna do this, but if you don't mind me asking, how did you find it? Like how did you come across the company? What was that process?
1: Yeah, it was honestly on LinkedIn. I mean, I, I tell it people... Easy as that. <laughs> it, it's crazy. It's like, just go out there. You, you know, looking for a job. I mean, I talk to people every day who are looking for jobs. You know, I always tell them it's a full-time job. Like, if you don't mm-hmm. have a job, you need to be getting up and looking for a job as if it was your job. So, you know, spending four mm-hmm. hours on LinkedIn, looking at new things, researching companies. It's an active thing. Like, you have to put yourself out there. It's like anything in life. If you don't put yourself out there... Nobody's going to know you exist. Like, you have to be able to, you know, not only take criticism, but, like, go on interviews. It's amazing practice. Speak to people. uh, Network. Get out there. It's just, like, what what you have to do, and it's rewarding if it happens. But if, like anything in life, just like sports, if you're lazy about it, it's going to show up.
0: I'm snapping because I kid you not, nineteen hours ago on my private Twitter, I just tweeted oh <laughs> <God. laughs> I literally just tweeted, Opportunity does not come unless you speak up for it. You will always exactly. be your biggest advocate, so why leave it up to chance? I that's that's something that I've learned even in, in this past year. Like you have to be able to speak up for yourself and sometimes it's uncomfortable. It's it's really uncomfortable if that's not your inherent personality, but to your point that opportunity doesn't come if if you don't make the point of it in the first place so.
1: exactly it's just like you reaching out to me like if you would have never reached out to me you'd be like yes. oh she probably doesn't like me <laughs> we played against each other like
0: what literally my thoughts you never,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you never know what's gonna happen I could have like right. been completely rude to you you never know right. but at least you tried and now look where we're at we're catching up we probably would have never met otherwise it's like the world is an amazing place if you go yes. if you put yourself out there. Like you have to experience what happens. You can't just sit around and hope it happens.
0: Mhm. Exactly. And now we're here cackling on an interview about recruiting season. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm I'm happy I reached out. Um let's let's get into that part though. So, before we get into the more, you know, tips and advice, I want to start with your experience so let's talk a little bit about how you navigated undergrad and any internships that you had or any work that you did on campus like how how in that process how did you begin to narrow down your focus what What were the first things and pieces of research that you did to kind of inform this may be where I want to start or I want to try this
1: you know I actually kind of Decided on recruiting because when we used to have recruits come on campus, weirdly enough, they would always give them to me and my other friend Jill. And I think we were just, you know, the people on the team that were pretty outgoing, you know, able to connect and speak to parents well, able to, you know, ask and navigate some kind of hard questions you know when you when you have a recruit on campus you know they're looking at other places so just you know being there to not only be diplomatic but you know have some fun be light and i think that was my first kind of taste and i was like okay i'm kind of good at this and you know i i know i've i've always wanted to do something with people and you know helping people the best way i can i think we could all use a little bit more help in the world so um <laughs> So that was kind of how I started about it. And, you know, I I spoke to so many of our alum, you know, we have a basketball alumni um, group at our school and they were all just kind of like, take a chance. Like nobody else does recruiting. I mean, it's kind of like if you go to Columbia, you're really expected to either, you know, go to law school, go to med school or get in finance. I mean, I'm sure it's similar yep. to your school. So I think people were kind of like, why are you doing that? but at the end of the day like I knew I wanted to do what I want to do and I need to make myself happy and not worry about the pressures of you know what industry or what job everybody else is getting if everybody else is working at these big finance firms so should I I really was just like I'm just gonna do what I want to do and what makes me happy more so
0: I love that. It's that self-awareness that's really, really important going into that process. And obviously, I mean, it it takes a little bit of test and learn as well, but getting to the point of where you're thinking about full-time, it's important to stay true to yourself because to circle all the way back to what we started with, the people matter, your time matters, so spend it where it makes sense for you and and where you will be happy. Um, I think that's that's really important. Let's talk a little bit about, sorry, not English. Um, let's <laughs> talk about being on the other side. You mentioned you're working with industry executives day in and day out. So what's the takeaway that you have learned when you're placing these industry leaders in industry-leading companies? What what matters? I was going to say, what are the intangibles that matter? But what matters for leaders?
1: Oh, Oh, yeah. I mean, so so now I'm at a private equity firm, right? And we do something kind of different. So I still do recruiting and consulting and stuff like that. But so when my firm invests in a company, my team goes in and kind of consults on, you know, company culture, hiring strategies, who should be there type thing, for lack of a better word, because we invest in a lot of startups. And I think it's always amazing when you go into companies and you, you kind of see the culture that's already set. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it it starts at the top always. Um, It starts with the CEO, it starts with the founder and then it kind of trickles down. But when we go in and, you know, sometimes we change the culture by really just rotating the executives, placing one in and taking one out, you really see it trickle down. You know, your salespeople or your bottom line people can't be productive if management up top is, you know, never in the office or always taking trips. I mean, I know you're at an amazing company like Pepsi. Like, they've been around for how long? Like, forever. What, <laughs> yeah, gonna, even know. Just, you don't. You don't get to be a company like that without having the foundation where it should be. But I think you know a lot of a lot of people these days. I think forget that. of the most important things are really people skills and being relatable and being able to you know have a conversation with somebody with your peer and be empathetic about what everybody else is going through because at the end of the day everybody has technical skills you know people just want to hire people they want to be around you know they want to sit next to in the office like these days are long (laughs) and people just want people are supposed to be social people are naturally you know, social people who want to gather together. So I think culture and company camaraderie is so important to a successful company.
0: Yes, 100%. It's the relational skill sets. And um, I I won't get into the details here. But I just read this article about how we often focus on the um, individual skill sets and athletes but it's actually taking a step back and thinking about the relational ones and how we should continue to work on those in the workplace so 100% with you 100% so let's and, get
1: and up. athletes athletes have those just built in and you don't even realize you have it like I didn't even realize how much of an asset just not only you know going to the school we went to but just being a female athlete or being an athlete, you, you just learn teamwork and like, you don't even know you've learned it, but it's so, some people just don't have that. They don't know how to work with somebody, how to like collaborate, how to, you know, compromise too. They just don't know. So they've never had to.
0: Exactly. You don't know until you're in those shoes. And luckily as athletes, you grow up in a position where that's, that's what's inherent to you. And that is a perfect transition to this next topic and recruiting season and what what this is all about it's about you and your experience and your expertise and really sharing that out the first part of this is the first part of the series is about that upfront you get back to campus you're in the sprint of networking coffee chats panels and, and running it all back and doing it again here I really want to focus in on the next steps. so you have your foot in the door How how do you finish strong what how do you how do you close in on things so I think to your point and what you just mentioned, as athletes, you already have the skill sets of all the things that you just mentioned are valuable in the workplace. But I actually mm-hmm. want to start, we're going to walk through this and definitely more so of a conversation, but want to hear from your experience. I want to start high level. I think often the questions that we hear or what people are often searching for advice for is how how do I even tell my story as an athlete? What matters? And I think there's two things to consider when you're framing up your tell-me-about-yourself or your your 60-second pitch. Um, some Sometimes you have had the opportunity to be at a school that allows you to get work experience. Sometimes mm-hmm. you haven't. Sometimes you have to be on campus. Let's focus on athletes that do not have the leisure of being able to leave campus during the summer. What, what do you think they should be focusing on when they get to their senior year and it's time to interview? How should they be crafting their story?
1: Well, I think it's important. It starts off, one, with a clean resume. I don't I don't know how many times I can tell you I've discounted people that sound so bad, but if their resume is just not aesthetically pleasing. It, just make sure it's clean. Make sure it's thought out for. Don't have too much on there. One pager, especially if you're coming out of college. You don't need a two-page resume. You don't have that much experience. I know. I know CEOs, CFOs who have a one pager. You don't have that much to say. You know, keep it clean because you want your resume to just be touch points, and then you'll hit on that when you start telling your story. In terms of kind of your sixty-second pitch, I mean, it's it's always that catch point. you. It's like, how do I work this athlete thing in without sounding <laughs> like I'm just an athlete? Right. Right. Thing? but i would just i would just more so frame it at, i mean you you got to hit the points of you know teamwork time management being able to work well with others being able to juggle a bunch of things at once you can just i always like to work in the conversation about how you know i i would wake up early for practice and then make it to school on time and make it to class on time and really just show them that even though you don't have work experience you have the intangibles that they're gonna want. And also it's an entry-level role. Like don't stress yourself out. They know who you are before you're interviewing. They know who they brought in. If you get an interview, there's something that they see in you and you just have to make sure that you let that come out when you go on the interview. Everybody wants to be right. So everybody, every hiring manager wants to be like, oh, I saw their application. I knew they were Mm -hmm. it. And they're the one we You know, like everybody wants that feeling to be like, I knew from the jump. This is the person. I
0: was the one. I (laughs) chose the next slice of bread. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But I think it's just go be friendly. Like, smile. That's that's why I always tell people if you're on a phone interview, it's the weirdest thing. But smile as you speak. You come off lighter. You come Mm -hmm. off just like more easygoing. It's so strange and it's weird, but it
0: works. Yes, I've, I've, I, I've, I've heard that feedback one time. And then the next time I smiled while I was on the phone, obviously, <laughs> I, I do smile in person. Um, but I smiled while I was on the phone, because I have a very monotone voice. I, I, I hear it all the time. And um, <laughs> I, I smiled while I was on the phone. And I could hear my I had inflection in my voice. I was like, Okay, Kirby, like, but those things matter, right? It's the little things. Of and they go a very long way. Let's talk a little bit about athletes that have work experience, that have internships. I've, even on this podcast, I have heard both ends of it. I have had some people come on and say, honestly, in my internship, I did not talk about being an athlete. I have had some people come in and say, I leaned into athlete, athlete, athlete. So if you have the opportunity to touch on both in the interview process, what are your thoughts? Should it be mixed in together? Should you want lean into one more than the other? What do you think about that?
1: So I always advise, you know, if you do have work experience, I think that's what you should hit on first. I think you let the interviewer bring up the athlete saying, you know, mm-hmm. I actually for, for this play the my current firm, AirRu, where I'm at now, when I came on my interview, they literally first thing they said to me is I thought you'd be taller. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the
1: so they know. <laughs> It was just fun, like, they they know, they see if it's on your resume, clearly on your resume, they see it, they know. I always like to tell people also have in there, you know, dedicated, you know, 40 plus hours a week to XYZ. That's always just a good touch point, especially if you don't have the experience, you can put that in there. But Mm -hmm. I think, you know, working your internships in is always good, especially if they relate to the company itself. You know, if you interned at JP Morgan you're going up for a finance firm obviously work that into the conversation but if you were like me and you did intern at a consulting finance firm and you ended up going into recruiting I kind of used the opposite way I was like oh I I thought I wanted to do this and I realized I didn't want to do this by having the internship so this is what I want to do it's always the funny thing about it is everybody has their own story there's not kind of like a clean and cut way to do it Mm -hmm. I always just you know ask around like interview for somebody else before you go on an interview because your friends will be able to tell you like hey you sounded a little weird you were a little awkward when you you said xyz or you sounded a little weird um, when you did this I think the most uncomfortable question that I always run into when I speak to candidates is like hey why'd you leave this job Mm. and people get a little weird about it but if you're just open and honest then you don't come off as you're lying or you're uncomfortable if that makes sense,
0: yeah, no that hundred percent makes sense, and I think to your point it's it's all about crafting the story is what it sounds like, and I would love to move to this next point here of the the why so I know you talked about earlier. When you're when you're talking about your story as an athlete, make sure you hit on XYZ intangibles. So you listed teamwork, you listed time management, you listed collaboration. I I actually went to this uh, sports business panel last night and I, I asked a question. There was a panel, um, athletes came in and come to talk about how they leverage their platform. And at the end, I asked, How can we begin the education around why the intangibles that athletes have matter in regards to the workplace, right? So it's not just that I'm an athlete, so I know how to work on a team. It's how Mm -hmm. your teamwork skills then relate to the competencies that the companies want to see. So I know I mentioned we want to go through these a little bit one by one, but I really want to hit on teamwork and the ability to learn from failures because when I think about all the big ones. The big ones. When I think about the <laughs> the behavioral interviews that all all the ones that we all go through, I feel like those two are definitely the most transferable in terms of those key questions that you have. So let's let's just start with teamwork why why is it a value knowing what you know on the other side and what you guys look for in leaders what you see in yourself why is teamwork of value in the workplace
1: yeah of course I think the most important thing you have to learn about like any company you're going to work at is it's a huge it's a huge conglomerate whether you're big or small there's so many moving pieces in every company like the ship doesn't run if you know, one cog is not going. So every single person in there that is hired, especially in any environment I am, is important and has a purpose. If you can't work with your team together, you're not going to get anything done. It's kind of similar to like, I don't want to, I don't like talking about politics, but kind of how like the world works. Like when people aren't on the same page, when people don't come to a decision, nothing gets accomplished. Mm -hmm. And that's similar to how teamwork in the workplace works because, each per You have to be able to work well with others and your individual team, especially for these entry-level roles. You're not going to be, you know, making these key decisions. You're going to be one of five or ten people that are coming up with an idea to pitch to somebody that's going to, work on it more and then pitch it to somebody else and pitch it to somebody else, like it's all a moving motion, but like you have to be able to bounce ideas off each other and you know, be there and be able to speak up, you know, teamwork is not only listening, but it's also, you know, having a voice and being like, hey, I think we should do this, you know, having confidence in yourself which I think you do get from sports because when you're at sports and you're playing out there, you you have that ability to kind of showcase what you do. And it's kind of weird in the workplace because now it's more like vocal instead of like a physical expression, if that makes sense. But it's it's kind of, you're kind of showcasing what you can do in a different way. Whereas in sports, it was all physical, all play, all like what you were doing, every shot you hit. But in the workforce, it's kind of just like what you can come up with in order to show your manager, like, hey, this is what we came up with, and, like,
0: they <laughs> <Right>. not. <laughs> right, exactly, and also, I, I, know we keep bringing up people, but what you just said kind of reminded me about how also in teamwork, it's about how you, you know how to deal with different personalities. You oh my can, god! Yes, you know how to deal with different personalities and as simple as it sounds you can you can get along with a lot of people and that honestly matters is what you just mentioned people want to work with people that they like at the end of the day so take that into account when you know you're navigating how how to build those relationships and networks in the early stages of your career um, definitely yeah Let's talk about the ability to learn from failures. So I, I think this is always in the the simple question of, you know, tell us your weakness, <laughs> tell us the time that you failed. Like, you know, I would always go back to something that tied from this and the ability to bounce back um, strategically. But we'd love to hear from you. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? And, and what's the key takeaway?
1: I think the easiest transition I can think of is I think every single person has been yelled at and gone off by a coach in front of all your peers. And that's a thing that has not happened to a lot of people. And, you know, being able to take not only criticism from your teammates a little bit, you know, everybody has a little back and forth on the court sometimes, but also from a manager. Like, I, I remember I used to get rich in college. All the time, like it's not getting yelled at is nothing, right? You know, like <laughs> expressing nothing. their feelings in a berated manner is absolutely—it's just like okay, keep it going, right. <laughs> move on. But you know, also being having experience—you know, law not lost, not not constantly, but you know, being able to deal with like we we put all this effort in, we practice all the time, and we still lost the game. But see that all the all the before, all the practice, all the foundation matters. And I think that definitely translates into the working world because there's gonna be times when like you're gonna work on this project, spend all this time doing it, and then maybe it doesn't happen. You know, you're gonna you're gonna do all these things and rush and get this stuff done and then it doesn't happen how you want it to. But having that resilience that you get from being on the court or playing a sport translates into workplace because you know people get fed up um a lot in jobs and stuff like that and you know people want morale company wants company morale to be high because that's when good stuff happens you know you don't want somebody moping around the office that's upset about xyz you know you gotta bounce back quickly you gotta get over it you gotta like keep it
0: pushing yeah no 100 percent. and i think it's just great even for me to hear these things as like a refresh like what what (laughs) Is it a a value that I bring to the table that you bring to the table in your workplace that our former teammates all bring? um, You know, just to reset and know that about ourselves, and then also at an undergrad level, I think it's really important to hear these things to understand that when you're when you're going through the interview process and you know the skill sets that you bring to the table, why they are of value on the other side, both from a confidence perspective and and knowing what you're capable of but also being able to craft your story in a way that is meaningful to the people that are looking for their next generation of talent so really appreciate you sharing that insight would love to would love to wrap up with um a takeaway from you and your experience so what what do you hope to continue to bring through your career that you learned as a student athlete heading into year two? I like to think of this as like our sophomore year. I I know I mentioned in the beginning, like you know, when when you're an athlete and you start your new job, you're like, oh, okay, like I'm I'm a little free, like I can do my thing. Um, but you know, it's it's year two, new things, sophomore year. What do you what are you looking to keep with you as you as you progress?
1: You know, I I. I think I my main thing is probably oh this is such a loaded question by the way (laughs) this is a good one um honestly I think it's just being a compassionate empathetic person that you know can relate like you said before can relate to a bunch of different people and I like that you know from sports taught me how like every person has a different story and like, I want to get to know them and I want to learn that, but I also want to keep the thing going. You know, you want to get the W at the end of the day, which is similar to the workplace. And I mean, I I hope I just allow myself to help and allow my people skills to translate into the workplace. I think that's probably my number one thing going for me right now.
0: Yeah, Yeah. day in and day out. What about you? Ooh, what about you? Put, I hear, put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, put, <laughs> put me on the spot. Hey, when you said as athletes we can really deal with being hounded on. I, and if my if my coaches are listening to this, I love you guys. <laughs> but you know you know your coach yelling at you in front of your teammates. It's embarrassing. You're not going to clap back because you have respect, but
1: you're mm-hmm. able
0: to shift your focus and think about what's next. And you, I, I actually mentioned this in the intro of my last episode, but it really is just something that resonates with me in next game mentality. And being able mm-hmm. to have your doors blown off by whoever you're guarding, you, you probably you probably <laughs> blew by me 30 times. But, you know, the, the ability to, to think ahead, I think that is so... It's underrated and the the value that that brings just for you in terms of how you operate in the workplace, and then also how you can how you can collaborate with others. You can really bring a team team along as that person that really cares about what's ahead for the other team versus what just happened to you. So I feel like for me, it's that bounce back next game mentality. So shout out shout mm-hmm. out to all the coaches that I had for yelling at me. I appreciate you. <laughs> they made you who they, you are. They made me who I are. Whoa, well, English. They made me who I am. Um, so I, I appreciate them. Um, but also, thank you. I, I appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your experiences. And this was just a great conversation. I feel, as just mentioned, refreshed hearing these things and and what matters. And I hope the people that are listening to this right now have some great takeaways, too.
1: Of course. I love what you're doing. You're amazing. Seriously. Thank you. Anything to help anything to help other female basketball players for sure. I I know you went to Harvard, but I'll forgive you for that. Hey, it's it's all love.
0: It's all Ivy (laughs) love. One Ivy, whatever that hashtag is. Um but of course. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for listening into this episode. In the meantime, we want to hear from you. Stay connected. Leave us a comment on Apple Podcast, DM us, or contact us on our website. Whatever is easiest. We want to know your feedback and what questions you have. Otherwise, we'll be back soon with more athletes, more perspectives, and more pro tips on the way.